Hello, Climate Change. That's the name of this podcast. It's about waking up and taking action one conversation at a time. Uh, Waking up to issues that uh, make our world not so great for human beings and other creatures. So let's take it on together one conversation at a time. Blech, that was terrible. But I'm getting, I'll get there, and I'm working on my sound quality, and I'll figure that out too. Um, please take the journey with me, and you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes or Stitcher. And I am setting up a website at hellocc.info where you can find show notes and more links and information and contact me. And by the way, if you do subscribe um, on iTunes or Stitcher, please leave, especially iTunes, leave me comments and rate the show. Rate it highly because you know what it can't. Rate it according to its potential because <laughs> I know it's not there yet. It would be really good for me and good for um, others to be able to hear these conversations. And if if, um, there aren't any ratings, then it doesn't show up in the search very high um, in the search list. So people are less likely to find this. So I could use your help. Thanks. Without further ado, here's the conversation I had um, yesterday with Sarah Bowie. I'm really excited that I get to interview Sarah or talk with Sarah Bowie because you, you Sarah, are one of very few people, really, who kind of converged in my life with a consciousness on this topic enough to make me stop just sort of thinking about it in the periphery and actually really engage in taking it on as a reality in the world and my life and how it should actually affect my life rather than just be something I feel bad about. So, so um, yeah, so that I really would love to hear f- what got you to that place because I imagine that you were like er- everyone else at some point where it just was something you felt bad about but, but didn't know enough about or feel empowered to actually engage it. I'm guessing. You tell, you tell us. Okay. Well, I, my interest in our relationship, the human relationship, this is going to sound a little abstract, but the, the human relationship to the natural world goes, goes back, um, I would say the conscious version of it goes back to my 30s when I spent a lot of time in Asia um, on, a, on a sort of regular cycle, um, going to uh, India and Nepal and included some time in Japan and Tibet. Um, I'm a designer of spaces, exhibition spaces, um, and I was interested in what it was that would allow in our relationship to space that would enhance our becoming more present, becoming more alive, more connected. And because I was basically a baby architect in my own work, Mm -hmm. and I thought there are ways that the making of space can enliven, deepen, and help make us more present. And so I studied the design of traditional sacred architecture. And what I discovered in Nepal and India um, was that architecture became more powerful when it was in a dialogue with the natural world. Mm-hmm. And so I, beca- I began, there was a, there's a, I'm not going to tell you all the details, yeah. but um, there's a whole 
process that I, it was a whole pilgrimage really, yeah. um, of exploring um, this phenomenon of humans engaged with the natural world and creating these these dynamic spaces in, in which there was a kind of reaching out to whether it was a cave or a tree or a confluence of two rivers or a mountain, um, where there was something that the human was doing in listening to the natural world and responding in a man-made form. So I, I spent a lot of time working on this, and I developed a whole course about it called Sacred Space. Um, and it's really about reimagining our relationship with the natural world and looking at that in an through the lens of numbers of cultures and traditions, like Buddhism, like Native American cultures, others. And I've, so I've taught this for 20 years. Um, it was part of our original work for an environmental school that Clark uh, intended to create, and which was short-lived, unfortunately. But I was, the, I was the sort of humanities piece of this in this interdisciplinary course. So that was a, that's an expression of, of some kind of deep, questions that I had, right? Um, and and that also led to a relationship with um, a dear friend named Susie Moser, who is was a geography graduate student here at then. She took my course, um, and it was, a, I think, an aspect of her path mm-hmm. as she's moved forward. And then we both studied and helping us build different kinds of capacities in our um, our situation, our human situation, our, our um, very unsustainable way of living uh, on, right. on the earth. She saw this, she knew it, she started out as a uh, um, nuclear uh, activist mm. um, working against um, the atomic energy and nuclear plants. Right. But um, she's, she came to see that, that you know, there were all of these contributing factors to our imbalance, our 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 separation from a, a listening, dialogic, and and actually um, whole relationship with the natural world. I mean, we are of it. We yeah. are it. So that sort of gives you the you know last two and a half decades or three wow. decades of of the growth of my involvement. Now, I, I became the director of the Higgins School of Humanities here um, 12 years here ago. Here Clark University. Yeah, right? Clark University. Yeah. Um, and so these environmental issues, they were kind of writ a little bit differently then, 12 years ago. We weren't always focused on the climate aspect mm-hmm. of it. It was really more about how we lived in an unsustainable right. way. Um, and and one knew that we lived out of out of our genuine creative relationship with the natural yeah. world. So um, I I referred in my programming. I often took up topics that were related to environment. I actually did the topic of climate change in the first year. Uh, well the first year of Difficult Dialogues programming, when I developed, along with others, the Difficult Dialogues initiative, the first year of it had four different topics. You know, one of them was the state of our democracy, and there were two others, and one of them was the question of climate change. So we, 12 years ago, did a whole group of programs, and I continued with that, and in the time I was director of the school, I got a chance to create a network 
among all humanities centers all over the world wow. of places who were interested and concerned about environment and what were the humanists, what are humanities faculty, and what are humanities centers doing about this. So we began to network right. that. And that was probably eight, seven or eight years ago. That's so awesome to know that there's that kind of networking happening underneath the sort of surface of things. I mean, well, but, but that, that actually just brings me back to what we were talking about earlier, which is I, I would love to hear you talk about what you see as the power of dialogue when it comes to taking on these kind of subjects that are just so seemingly unwieldy, overwhelming, intractable. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you know, we talked earlier. I, I do think that it's not at all surprising that most of us um, resist looking more into this situation because we know it's overwhelming on some intuitive level. Right. We also live in a world that has... Um, our media has failed us in this regard. Mm -hmm. Our press has failed us. They've, it, it, we have, although we have had exceptions to this, like Al Gore's film, mm -hmm. um, and you know, recently The Guardian, which is really trying to turn the whole situation around by incredible publishing on the issue in the last two months. Right. Um, but even a, a venerable newspaper like The New York Times um, cannot manage to actually report this as it needs to be reported. Right. Part of it is, and, and this is what the, the editor of The Guardian, um, Alan Roosbridger, has published, it, part of the problem is that the, the practices of journalism are in their time frames and in their motivations very different than right. what it takes to actually look at this issue. It's too... It doesn't, it doesn't have um, a beginning, middle, and end. It doesn't have a, um, an one major event that right. can be focused on. It is so incremental. And right. is so to, to, to look at it is to question all of our assumptions. Mm -hmm. And they simply can't do it. I mean, they, they right. aren't even thinking that way, of course. But um, it really is too big to report. So we don't mm -hmm. have... Um, vehicles yeah. by which we're receiving the kind of information. I mean, we do have, as you can see, we have many people writing about it. I'm pointing to my library yeah. that Amy's able to look at right yeah. now. But um, right. we have people who are writing into this, but I would say on the more public mm -hmm. level, you, you have to work awfully yeah. hard to yeah. get really information that levels with you right. about what's going on. Right, and, and, and that takes into account that these individual happenings are connected. Like the, the earthquakes in Oklahoma, the drought in California, the flooding in Texas that just happened this weekend, all these oh, things that are taking, taking place is, is all part of, of climate change, and rather than it being separate, um, well, the, well, the Oklahoma stuff is about fracking and pumping stuff into there, but it's all connected. But anyway, yeah, so well, I guess I'm a little bit hopeful that 
that more and more of these stories are becoming newsworthy in a sense that maybe there's a critical mass building, but I there's don't know a big change. I well, yeah. I think you know, I I've told you about this council group we were meeting over the course of 2014. Mm -hmm. I can talk more about that yeah, sure. later, but um, that we saw last year in the spring a a really serious uptick in the level of reporting and focus that was happening. And it came, largely came from um, three major reports that were released in the spring. One was the IPCC report, one was the National Climate um, Assessment mm -hmm. that uh, the President um, had actually, you know, had some hand in mm -hmm. allowing for or, or um, commissioning. Mm -hmm. And then there was another one. And so there were three of them mm -hmm. that that got a lot of press and attention right at that moment. Right. And so you had more people either commenting, um, writing about it, certainly the things that I see, you know, the, the sort of alternative blogs and things were publishing more commentary about it. But I think it also did, you know, get it on more, those, those reports, you began to hear it more from, you know, just your niece or your, you know, my sister-in-law would say something about it. She was, th there came to be more common conversation about it a year ago, and I think that's just continued. Part mm -hmm. of it is that Obama is now speaking very openly right. about it. It took him a very long time, mm -hmm. way too long. Um, also, this deal that he made with China mm -hmm. was very important in getting some public awareness of, of the issue and, and getting the whole thing normalized as a major, major concern for all of the world right. and all of humanity. But at the same time also approving drilling off of... Now that's a very, it's one of the things, I'm sure you've read some of this, that, that a lot of that was in the pipeline already right. and they okay. can't seem to find a legal way to stop them. Right. That's okay. what they needed was some way, and, and they didn't, and mm -hmm. they so they approved it. They right. couldn't... I, I think he's caught in a lot of very tough. Okay. I mean, I'll just yeah. cut him a little bit of slack in this well, that's good. regard. I, but it's bad. Yeah, you know, the whole thing is bad, yeah. as we know. No right. more. <laughs> take don't take it out of the earth anymore. Right. It's just we, that's it the, the least of it. We have to, you know, yeah. stop. Um, but you're talking about dialogue. Did you yes. want me to speak? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, and then you can go into talking about the council and how what I, I'm also curious to know your personal highlights of that process around this topic, too. So, so. Well, um, you know, I've done a lot with dialogue over the last 12 years, right. or 11 years, um, and that means to, to really explore what, what does that mean, and yeah. that's another whole conversation. Right. Um, the the um, more intentional creation of conversations in which listening really listening to each other, speaking authentically, spontaneously, and really finding that by doing that with a little more intentionality, mm -hmm. um, and there are practices mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, enhance that process, um, that we can find things coming through between us mm -hmm. that aren't ours, they are bigger than than us, mm -hmm. so it's a it's actually a kind of a cauldron for uh, mutual creativity and for listening beyond what any of us individually can come up with. It's why it the idea of counsel, which is a dialogue process, um, it has been used 
in traditional cultures for discernment processes for as you know as long as there have been humans apparently it's been it's been a way of seeking collective wisdom right. and so that's that's sort of the most um, how would you say um, it's it's a a very sacred dimension really of dialogue you can talk about dialogue in a lot of different ways but if we are at a time when we're facing challenges that are unprecedented um, don't we need the the best help we can get between us um, and beyond us to look at this and I, and I also think we need support we, we need yes. to support each other as we uh, this is just too much as we were saying earlier you know we really weren't built to look at the gravity of this situation right. and what we are up against um, and, and what the possibilities are here. We know humans, mind, soul, body, was, was really built to apprehend the end of the world as we understand it, right. you know? Um, mm-hmm. It just, we're not configured that way. Yeah. And, and, and yet, we are beings with great capacities for empathy, for compassion, for creativity. We are remarkable beings, right? So we have to draw from our very best selves in this immense challenge. And and a dialogic process, especially counsel, is that kind of practice. It allows us to show up with each other and learn more together about what we're facing engage and, and experience with each other what that means potentially right. as best as we can understand it and none of us really understand mm-hmm. fully yet what this is mm-hmm. and then to be with each other in the exploration of how we want to be in these times how do we want to act how do we want to be how do we want to think how do we want to serve you know what is there that we can offer individually and collectively so I think that meeting in a dialogic way offers those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Very well said, all of it. So uh, having worked that way, then you, you got a grant to start a women, it was a council of women who were deeply engaged in in this topic already, yes. committed to to really staying that way and moving forward in that way. Right. And so tell, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, as part of my work with the International uh, Consortium of Humanities Centers, um, we had had developed several ideas um, for ways that we would work with the whole network of humanities centers. And one thing led to another, and we got an opportunity to apply for a grant from the Mellon Foundation. Well, and, and interestingly enough, instead of the large, more political network ideas that we had had in mind, in the end, we got pressure to create smaller projects and it was a a wonderful opportunity for me because I had been intuitively sensing that we that I wanted to see a council of wise women brought together this was five seven years ago that I had this this inspiration it's one of those things where it's coming from somewhere else and you're just listening and you you hear it Mm -hmm. and so I had held that vision of what does that mean or that question I Mm -hmm. should say and so when this came along, I thought, this is, this is the opportunity. This is actually the time, and these are the questions. 
And so I invited, along with the help of my former student, dear friend, and now colleague, Susie Moser, Susie Moser and also, um, again, a good friend and colleague, Diana Chapman Walsh, who was the president at Wellesley um, for 14 years. She also worked closely with me in the initial conception of this council, and we invited nine other women, um, some of them scientists, some of them artists, others of them uh, writers, um, and humanists, philosopher, and um, a religion and ecology scholar, wonderful people, um, 12 women sitting together, a, a Buddhist uh, teacher also, mm. and um, I won't say all their names, but that, that's available on our website. Um, Can you say what the website is? Do you remember? Yes, well, you, well, it's, you it's the it Council on the Uncertain Human Future on the Higgins School. Right, and I'll put uh, the website. link once I get that hellocc.info. That'll be the website for this blog, uh, this podcast. I will put that link Okay, great. in the show notes. Right, and that would be wonderful, yeah. Amy, because it has not only a description of what we did, but it has right. a guide oh, to right. how to do this that awesome. everybody could turn to, yeah. both the guide for the organizer and a guide for members. Oh, that's so, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we met over the course of a year mm -hmm. in three sessions and looked at three different questions. So three day-long sessions. They were actually two-day sessions. Okay, well. Yes, yes. The first day we would meet and do some of our organizational work, and then we had a guest mm -hmm. for each session. Mm -hmm. um, and so we would have a chance to talk with our guest and then the public presentation. And then the next day we went into council, which was this you know deeper, quieter, focused mm -hmm. time for a full day, mm -hmm. um, in which we explored the main question that was on our plate. Right. The first one was, what is happening? What is taking place? Mm -hmm. um, and you know, as best we can understand it. And the second one was, um, uh, why is this happening? And what does it mean? And the third one was, how do we wish to conduct ourselves, given what we know and don't know in the face of great danger? Right. Yeah. And so we had a, quite an evolving process. You know, initially, of course, we didn't know each other, or there were people that didn't know each other. And, um, and yet everybody was so ready for this conversation. Interestingly, I mean, when I wrote to the people I invited, and these were people who had done a lot of work on this, some of them, not all of them actually, um, but people like Gretel Ehrlich, the nature writer, was one of them, or Kathleen D. Moore, the philosopher, who's an extraordinary person who's been working on this for quite a while. Um, they were so ready to have a deeper conversation with a group of women mm -hmm. who had an analogous commitment yeah. Yeah. to this. So there was great eagerness to be involved, and yet initially we were kind of hesitant in some ways. How how real would we be? How deep would we go? And that trust to be able to do this work together really developed over the course of the year. Our first session was in February, and then um, one in May, and then the last one was in September. Right. Yeah. And did the climate change teach-in that happened here at Clark um, this past fall, um, uh, last or, spring. or sorry, this, this spring, sorry, this past spring, um, did that come directly out of that, or was there, it this? There's a lot of flow-throughs right. here, yes. Um, that, it, it, I would say, 
in there linked right. because what I did then was have a council of Clark faculty mm-hmm. members here who met in, again, the same way only in the winter. Yeah. And the person I was working with to convene that and I cropped, you know, developed this idea of the teach-in in the fall mm-hmm. and we got support from the dean mm-hmm. and then we actually... You know, our, our um, local council were allies, mm-hmm. as well as many, many more faculty, a steering committee, and we, we have 45 faculty members who are involved yeah. in participating. It's such a great model, and I mean, I know it's not an original idea, the idea of a teach-in um, that, that, that was happening around Vietnam, and there was one here or, or, for, around the Vietnam War. Um, as well as, right, wasn't it a... We, we celebrated that okay. one here. Okay, but yeah. in any case, as a model of a way to, for people to engage around this topic and just taking taking the, the stance that you start by gathering the information and right. then you reflect on that information and then you move into sort of thinking about how you respond is so great. And, like, for me personally, just... The one thing I've been able to figure out around my own taking action is that I need to have conversations with the people closest to me in my life who maybe aren't quite so motivated on this topic right now. But but as soon as you bring it up, they express deep feeling about it. Maybe it's sort of numb or sort of uh, in a daze around it because they just don't feel like they have any power to make change. But but the, but it's definitely on everyone's minds. You can't. How could it not? Um, we push it away, but once you start to find people that you can be in dialogue with about it, then you can start to let yourself make room to think about it more. And so, taking that to this level is so inspiring to like create actually sacred space around it, so to speak. Yeah. Right. Both in the right. council and in the yeah. teaching, yeah. it was kind of different, but it's like right. collectively right. on the level of the whole university mm-hmm. saying, "Let's have." opportunities to learn more about it, to think about a whole variety of aspects of it. And then we did schedule a council session, Mm -hmm. as you know, Mm -hmm. because you were part of that, um, in the middle of the day. um, So that people, having heard Susie talk about the overall picture, Mm -hmm. getting the science, getting some of the implications of that science, to actually sit together and say, okay, where are you with this? Right. What does this mean to you? And, and what do you want? What more do you need to know at this point? Yeah. And for me, I, I will just admit this is it's almost, uh, I'm not sure if I'm embarrassed, but maybe a little bit, um, that being asked to, to potentially facilitate one of those council sessions was a sort of kick in the pants for me to to engage a little deeper on the information front because I didn't want to be in a position I did this didn't happen but I didn't want to be in a position where there was misinformation going around and I couldn't correct it um, and so I thought well let me just at least like watch some of these talks that you had linked to from the website and there's a there is still a website I'll put that link to from from this teach-in with yes. great resources so I listened to a talk by Naomi Klein about mm-hmm. her new book um, which is called This Changes Everything, Capitalism Versus the Climate, um, which just, that was sort of the linchpin for me. Like every other little piece that was falling into place kind of just came together after listening to that talk. Good, um, good. So, but, but what I wanted to say was that it's almost like I, I, I don't expect that this was intentional, but, 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 but the strategy, in a sense, of asking people, me and many others, to take leadership 
on this front engaged us in a way that made it made it feel like uh, I don't know if it felt like obligation or we felt important or whatever it is, but engaged us in a way where maybe it wouldn't have happened quite so much if 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 people would just said you can come if you want kind of thing and you know so that was really nice the way that worked out that there were so many people willing to help facilitate groups and then we had groups formed of people who were willing facilitators and stuff you know and anyway it was great it was I know great. I know one of the things we need the next teaching is we need to build the council part more critically into the schedule than oh, we I did what you're last saying. time right, right. people were ready for lunch right right, right at the time that we had it there <laughs> but it was good it was still we very still good. had a hundred yeah. people or so who worked yeah. did them so yeah. that's that was, was good awesome. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so anything else that you would feel like you'd like to, to talk about in, in this first of hopefully a series of conversations that we'll have on this? Um, I'm just glad to, to get a chance to, I love yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. I love you. this idea of um, having informal conversations mm. and, you know, getting the questions that people have, just your own attitude right. is so open and also exploratory. Okay. And um, I think that all of us will benefit mm. from what you're doing. Um, and I, I appreciate um, the idea that uh, we can each find a new way to take take up some aspect of this, yeah. and you know, and then as you will be doing and are doing, build community right. around it. Um, you know, we are each gonna have to make our peace with with what it means to reckon with a changed world right and we're going to need each other to yeah. do it and so thank you for creating another venue for that to happen thank you and and you know later on i'll ask you for other people you might think of that i could talk to who might be interested in being part of this so. absolutely all right so thank you very much thank you that's great okay so i should also say uh, I do plan to follow up on where I left things hanging with my husband in the last episode, and there are developments there, but I will wait until um, he and I are sitting down together, and then maybe that'll be our next, uh, next talk. So I'll keep you in suspense for a little while longer. Thanks for listening. Bye.